Hello everyone, I'm Troy Dodds and welcome to the On The Record podcast presented by The Western Weekender. On this podcast I'm joined by special guests who all have such great stories to tell about Penrith and the role they've played in our city. They are Penrith stories told by Penrith's people. Today my special guest is Matthew Freeburn from Freeburn Surveyors. The Freeburn name is synonymous with business in Penrith and dates back generations. I really hope you enjoy our chat. Matthew, thanks for joining us. Good morning Troy, it's a pleasure to be here. You've been uh, trying to get me here for a month or two or three, and yes. here I am. Indeed. And, uh, and look, question we always ask, uh, where were you born? Uh, I was born in Sydney at George V Hospital at near Sydney Uni uh, in 1960 years ago, in 1961. All right. And, um, and so then your family had, had a long history in Penrith. So were you in Penrith from, from that time or your family living in Sydney at that time? I, uh, I am fifth generation Penrith person, my children being sixth generation. And I don't think you'll find too many other families that can say that about Penrith. So, uh, yes, whilst I was born in Sydney, my parents were living in Penrith at the time and uh, my First night out of hospital would have been in good old Penrith, and uh, probably my last uh, breath on this <laughs> earth will probably be in Penrith. Now, uh, yeah, you mentioned going back six generations, so um, the first Freeburn to arrive um, is, is 1801, I think? That's correct. Yeah. There was a, a Thomas Freeburn who apparently was a fairly naughty boy, and at aged 18 he arrived as a convict from what my father always assumed we were Scottish, but in fact we are Irish, after we did a bit of digging and soul-searching. Uh, Thomas Freeburn, we believe, stole some piece of clothing or something not that yeah. bad, but uh, <laughs> ended up, thank goodness, in Australia, and uh, here where I am five generations later, still here. And when he got here, he uh, he didn't, uh, he got sent straight to uh, Brinjelli. Sorry, he, he got caught for stealing a pair of boots, not a piece of clothing, I got that wrong. Um, and he worked for John Blacksland, who had, obviously, a land grant out at Brinjelli, operating a farm. Um and as a result of presumably hard labour, uh, he received a pardon and became a farmer himself at Ludnam. Um, and uh, the family hasn't moved much from the Ludnam, Brinjelli, Penrith, Glenmore Park area yeah. ever so, since. So not just six generations in terms of um, you know Australia, but six generations right here in, in Penrith, which is, um, which is pretty incredible. What's, who is your earliest memory as far as your family is concerned? Uh, so when I was born, uh, both my grandparents were alive on both sides of the family. Um, my grandfather on one side, my mother's father, was um, he was he had a shop actually on on the corner of Evans Street and Tanaris Avenue, which is still there today, a little general store. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he was operating that. Uh, prior to that, he had been the postmaster general of Penrith. Uh, where he was uh, transferred from a place called Stock and Bingle uh, out in the bush. Um, and my grandmother helped him in the shop, and whenever I needed babysitting, I used to go up to the shop, and my memory is probably eating t- far too many lollies and ice cream <laughs> and all those good things that grandparents give grandchildren. Um, and on my dad's side, my grandfather uh, ran the Tattersall's Hotel, in Penrith, he was the licensee there. Yeah, this is in the 1920s, I think he yeah, becomes. Yeah, in the, the 1920s yeah. and 30s, I think it was about 18 odd years, he, he was the licensee uh, of uh, the Tattlesalls Hotel. And I have very few memories of going there because my grandfather wasn't the licensee when I was born, obviously. Um, but a lot of old photos still exist in photo albums of all sorts of things around Penrith. Um, to give you an idea, when I was first born, Jamison Road was dirt. Uh, everything to the 
south of Jemison Road was just rural paddocks and farms. Um, and I don't think High Street was even bitumen until about 1940s from memory. Um, you mentioned that Evan Street area before. That that kind of Evan Street, Stafford Street, Derby Street, that kind of area was um, was was kind of where everything was as far as Penrith people living at that time was concerned. We hadn't had the thoughts of Glenmore Park and even South Penrith and, and all of that in those days. There was no Glenmore Park. There was there was Lemon Grove. There was what I'll call South Penrith, which actually stopped at Jemison Road, mm. uh, and that was about it. There wasn't and, and downtown High Street, which. Uh, was uh, where my father was working from. He was a, a surveyor um, who uh, had a practice that started uh, 50 years ago, sorry, 70 years ago, um, and I took over from him in that practice, and I believe we are the oldest family-run practice still in Penrith of any business. And, and talking of business, your grandfather, Vic, as well, he, he's pretty instrumental in setting up the, the Chamber of Commerce, which, of course, still operates today, um, back in 1927. Um, so that's a, that's a pretty uh, long history with the, um, the Chamber as well. So obviously there was, there was good connection with the business community already, um, you know, in Penrith's early days. Yeah, look, uh, my grandfather probably got to know a hell of a lot of people being the licensee of a pub. Yes. <laughs> back in those days, Penrith only had... The top pub, the middle pub, and the and the bottom pub, uh, and the log cabin, of course. So mm-hmm. there was only four hotels. He would have met a lot of business people as a result of that. Um, he had my grandfather's pub was the biggest hotel in Penrith at the time, and uh, he encouraged travellers before they went up the mountains in their very early cars to stop, fill up their radiator with water, have a feed, and he prided him prided himself on. Uh, the fact that he had oysters in Penrith, which nobody had in those days. And uh, so you'd either have a horse tied up to the front of the Tattersall's Hotel <laughs> or an old car boiling over, getting filled up with water before they made the arduous trip up Lapston Hill. Uh, of course, there was no freeway back in those days. Um, so, uh, yeah, my grandfather started a lot of things in Penrith. He, uh, he was very instrumental in the Penrith RSL Club. He actually donated a block of land on the corner of uh, Castle Ray Street and Doonmore Street to the RSL Club, and that was the first club, as I understand it. It's still, of course, there today, but it occupies probably 20 houses now. Yes. Um, he, uh, he was a good... good. My, my grandfather lived with my parents and myself in the last 10 years of his life at our house in Evan Street. Um, I have great fond memories of him, but he was very old uh, when I was born. Uh, and interestingly, uh, I guess full circle now that, um, that that pub, which has been renamed countless times over the years, is back to the Tattersall's name. That must be, you know, something that a bit of pride in there as well. When yes, when Gordon Martin uh, came to me and said, "I want to rename the hotel, the Tattersall's Hotel," I said, "Well, I think I've got a very good photo that I'll get blown up, which which hung at the Tattersall's Hotel for the next five or ten odd years until they changed their name yet again." <laughs> um, of my grandfather standing on the balcony and. Uh, uh, there was a big logging truck out the front, and it's one of those mm. classic Penrith photos that the library has with a massive logging truck in the middle of High Street. So you grew up in um, in 1960s, 70s Penrith. What's, what's Penrith like in that era? Uh, well, in the 60s, everybody had very short hair. My mother, for some reason, decided that I needed long hair because apparently she wanted me to look like Prince Charles, who <laughs> apparently had long hair back when he was a youth. And... Uh, I remember getting teased a lot at Penrith Infants and Penrith Primary School uh, for having long hair when everybody else had a crew cut. 
of course, I was just ahead of the time. And yeah, the, absolutely. In the in the early seventies and late seventies, everybody uh, you, migrated you, you to you my long hair, and and then I got short hair just to be different. <laughs> <laughs> now I had great fond memories of uh, Penrith Infant School in Henry Street, where you know there was only two classes in each year, uh, and then we, of course, graduated to Penrith Primary, where it still is today, and there was four classes in each year, and uh, I really enjoyed my. Uh, schooling at both Penrith uh, Infants and Primary School. I was um, then sent to the same school my father went to at North Sydney, Shaw, Sydney Church of England Grammar School at North Sydney, and spent my uh, misspent youth um, travelling on the train from Penrith to uh, North Sydney. Um, But I soon returned to Penrith um, as soon as my studies had finished. I um, uh, enjoyed a few years in Paddington, um, at the end of school and uh, a year in Gladesville and then uh, apparently that was throughout university where I studied surveying and then my parents politely informed me that I needed a real job and I needed to come <laughs> back and uh, start working in the family firm, which I had done in school holidays and uni holidays for many, many years. Um, and of course that family firm, which which opened in, in 1951, uh, was originally on High Street, 344 High Street. What is that today? That's 344 High Street at the moment is uh, Rain and Horn Commercial mm-hmm. um, and another real estate agent, Star Partners, I think it is downstairs. My father had the uh, office upstairs and downstairs was uh, Lamrock's Solicitors, another very old uh, mm. still around firm today, that's yeah. still around today but not operated by a family member. Um, and I always remember he had a, an intercom. I'd never seen one before that he could let people in from downstairs. Yeah. It was a... Uh, one of my very first memories of going to his work was uh, seeing an intercom work because I'd never seen one before. And, and incredibly, in the last 60-odd years, the business hasn't been that far from that location um, in, in, in its entire existence. No, we uh, we moved to uh, on top of what used to be the Jet Dry Cleaners, now just still the Dry Cleaners in Castle Ray Street, mm-hmm. um, upstairs again. And then uh, my father had the foresight to invest heavily in property around Penrith and he decided he was going to buy the well, which was the Masonic Hall across the road from where our business was above the dry cleaners and he uh, bulldozed the Masonic Hall and a house next door to it and built the building that we're currently in today and while that was happening we moved very briefly to uh, Lawson Street next to John Bateman's office mm-hmm. uh, for about a year and a half while Surveyor House was built and uh, I've been in Surveyor House now for, I think it's 32 years, in you, you Castlereagh Street. You mentioned the, uh, the real estate side there. So these days, of course, property investment, or particularly in the last sort of 10, 20 years, is is a bit of a, an aspiration for a lot of people. But you mentioned your parents were, were very into property investment back then. They were they were very much aware that um, that owning real estate was a, was a key to success. Yes. Uh, my dad, when he first started off, had virtually nothing. Um, my grandparents lived in Glenbrook at the time when they were uh, running the Tattersalls Hotel and uh, as soon as my dad returned from World War II he started the business and as soon as he had a spare dollar he uh, he would buy a property somewhere. Um, a lot of them were in and around Penrith, they were usually in flood prone areas or out in the middle of nowhere with full of jungle um, and uh, he loved he loved his seafood, and he used to travel up and down the north and south coast. And if he could find a property on the outskirts of a town that uh, was 
possibly going to get rezoned in the, within the next five or ten years, and it was usually a rural farm or something. He would try and buy it uh, cheaply. As I said, it was usually flood prone yeah. or had something wrong with it, which is why it was cheaply. And he'd hopefully wait for it to be rezoned. And a lot of those properties never got rezoned. They're now environmental protection zoned, <laughs> and uh, they were disasters. But he did have some success uh, in Walgoolga, Ballina, uh, and down the south coast at Maruya. So, do you remember him as a as a pretty shrewd businessman? Was 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 that what he was like, or was he was he just more wanted to pounce on opportunities as they as they? No, they look, my up? dad was a bit of a salt of the earth. Um, he ran a survey practice with two employees, um, and he socialised a lot in Penrith. He was a member yeah. of the golf club, the RSL club, and any other Panthers and any other club that he could be a member of. I didn't often see my father uh, as he usually wouldn't get home until around dinner time um, which was 7 or 8 o'clock at night and um, Sundays was a special day because my dad was always there We uh, he he built one of the uh, first swimming pools in Penrith uh, first private swimming pool in Penrith and uh, Sundays half of Penrith used to come <laughs> to our house and go for a swim because it was the only place you could go for a swim other than the river and uh, that was my special day with my dad on the Sunday. You mentioned Evan Street. That's where all this is happening, of course, for you in a, in a house level, which is where you, you you lived. How important was that um, that house to you? And is it still in the family today on, on Evan Street there? Yes. When my parents first bought the house, it was a little two-bedroom house, which... Uh, was 15 metres wide and, sorry, 50 feet wide back in those days and 45 feet deep. And uh, he eventually bought several other properties around the site and I actually bought one as well. And uh, we still own those properties today. Uh, middle of putting in a development application for some uh, units to go on that site, mm-hmm. uh, 130 of them. And uh, Unfortunately, I think that's called progress in Penrith, whether you like it or not. Uh, eventually, there hopefully will be some units on that site, but uh, still battling Penrith Council on that one. We, we might talk about that uh, that progress shortly, but, but still on your dad, I'm interested in, in how you actually take over the business because it comes about um, not in the way that, that probably he or you would have liked. No. Uh, my father sent me off to university and said, son, you need to be a civil engineer and we'll have a combined surveying and civil engineer practice. Uh, I had other ideas. Uh, I think I was partying fairly hard in first year university at New South Wales Uni and uh, I ended up not failing but discontinuing without failure my uh, degree in civil engineering because the ski season had come around and I <laughs> seemed to uh, get in my car as every, any opportunity I could and drive down to Threadbower Perisher and uh, go snow skiing. And uh, as a result, I didn't do any study and I was probably going to fail civil engineering. So I discontinued without failure and then uh, returned the following year and did uh, four years straight of surveying, which I enjoyed thoroughly, uh, and went on to work for my dad for approximately only a year when uh, he had a fairly major accident. He used to like uh, aerobatic flying and gliding, uh, fixed-wing gliding and aerobatics. And unfortunately, uh, one day at Schofields, he... uh, on final approach didn't quite make it due to an engine failure and he had to uh, he had the choice of hitting some high tension wires or some houses and he took on the high tension wires uh, and managed to snap both uh, wings off the plane and broke his back so he was flat on his back in both hospital and home for 12 months and I found myself uh, as a recent graduate from a surveying degree 
suddenly thrown into the deep end of this is your business and you need to run it because your father's no longer here. Uh, that became quite interesting because the two employees were older than myself and I was uh, sort of their younger boss. But we got on very well and uh, I expanded the business over the years and I think we've now got 15 staff. And, of course, Penrith has grown with the, the growth of uh, surveying around it. And did he ever return to work in the office? Or no, he... No? Um, he decided that was a good excuse to retire. His other love of life was sailing his boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a boat down on Sydney Harbour initially and then up at Pitwater. And in fact, uh, unfortunately, he uh, ended up having a heart attack on his boat and uh, never returned one day from sailing. But that's the way he would have liked to have gone mm. quickly without sitting in a nursing home and doing what some people do. Now, as far as you and the business is concerned, ever from that moment on, that was that was it for you? That was going to be... The business? Did you ever kind of want to go, well, no, actually, I want to expand and do something else? Or, or from that moment, did you feel almost an obligation? But you obviously developed a passion for, for business in Penrith as well. I certainly like my surveying. Um, I'm no longer really out in the field bashing pegs in, but I'm uh, more of a desk jockey these days. But uh, I worked hard, as did my father. I was expected to do that, and that's the way I was brought up. And uh, I suppose a bit like my dad, every time I had a spare dollar, if I wasn't spending it on a car, I would be spending it on land or, or some sort of property. I've never really invested in shares or anything like that. It's property for me, and uh, I've continued that tradition like my father and bought and sold a few things, and, and uh, it's been good to me. What about the industry itself? That must have changed pretty significantly over the years with, with different technologies and whatnot. And what about competition? How, how strong is that in Penrith for you over the years, given that the, the business name is so firmly established in the, in the region? Um, yeah, look, when I started doing surveying, we were taught to carry a wire chain and a tape measure and, uh, um, and an old theodolite that was not digital. Then uh, electronic distance measurement came in and uh, you just used to zap distances. Yeah. And then, of course, that was thrown away and replaced by, although it still is in today, sort of, but uh, with total stations and things, but that's all been replaced by either satellites or um, whirly-birdie flying devices (laughs) that take photos and and you spend a lot of time with software. So the whole whole, uh, business of surveying has certainly changed from the uh, 70s through to today. Uh, Of course, the technology just gets more expensive and... uh, but what used to take three hours to do something now only takes sometimes half an hour or an hour. Um, and um, certainly the business grew as Penrith grew. I mean, back then Penrith had no traffic lights, no roundabouts. Um, and it was a very great place to live. You could kick a football in Evan Street and not get run over. <laughs> um, there was a lot of advantages back then, I can assure you. Now, uh, I guess typically, as would, would happen, if you've got a business in the Penrith CBD and you're living in Penrith, you're going to get involved in, in various issues. I know that you were, you were pretty strong on, um, a lot of people still talk about this as, well, maybe one of our worst decisions was, was closing High Street there at one point uh, to develop the Penrith Mall. Um, if I recall, on, on having a look at the history there, you, you weren't a fan of that? Uh, not really, no. We uh, we have a couple of shops in High Street, which we still have today, and uh, Penrith Plaza wasn't around back in those days, and all shopping was done in High Street. Uh, there was no Nepean Square or uh, uh, Southlands or any other shopping centre in the area. And uh, I was heavily involved in the Chamber of Commerce back in those days, and Penrith Council decided in their wisdom that they were going to close High Street and turn it into a pedestrian mall, which did a couple of things. It got rid of a lot of parking spots in High Street, which became a problem. Uh, 
And then also at the same time, Penrith Plaza came along and a lot of the high street businesses moved down to the plaza. And, uh, you know, rents in high street probably halved overnight and there was vacancies everywhere. So I sort of became, it became my mission to uh, reopen high street to traffic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was certainly on the mall committee, as it was known, to uh, get rid of it. And it took us a number of years to convince council that they had made a lousy decision. Um, and looking back on it, they certainly did. It, uh, it didn't do Penrith any good. It created vandalism at night, lots of graffiti um, and all sorts of problems that mall created. Possibly ahead of its time. Um, and malls uh, these days do work, but they don't usually put them down the main street of a country town. And no. I still consider Penrith to be a large country town. And some would argue High Street never really recovered from that either. No, it hasn't. Uh, well, as Penrith grew and we got more shopping centres, um, mm. a lot of $2 junk shops, I like to call them, on High Street are still there. Um, the vacancies come and go. There's good times and bad times. But... Um, it's um, still, a great, still a great street to shop in High Street. You can still find a parking spot within two minutes of any time you look. 100%. Now, you talk about um, progress before, and, and a lot of people, this is probably the number one issue that people bring up in, in, in Penrith, that they do get nostalgic and whatnot. As someone who's lived here all of your life, um, you know, since the, the early 1960s, um, how do you feel about that? Do you feel nostalgic about it and want to protect it, or do you accept that hey, progress has to happen, what, what can you do? You know, you've got, to, you've got to accept these things and unfortunately you're going to lose history as part of that. I'll put my surveyor hat on and say, look, uh, uh, Penrith has to grow the way it has grown. It will end up looking like Parramatta within 10 to 15 years, I believe, with high-rise everywhere. Uh, the zoning's already there, but no developer's willing to push the green light and start building multi-storey towers with uh, residential in them, um, in, in the high street area I'm referring to now. Um, yeah, as a surveyor, I think it's a good thing. It has to happen. It's going to happen whether I like it or not. As an old Penrith guy that's uh, been around and seen it all, uh, I find it a little sad that uh, what used to be a nice little country town where everybody knew everybody is now a large city um, that's got various pockets of uh, CBDs, more Park Shopping Centre, all the different shopping centres, of course. And, uh, look, that's progress and it has to happen. Um I um, I think probably for the better, Penrith's got so much more to offer now than it used to have in the 70s and 80s, but life's a little more complicated now. Indeed. Now, one thing you can do, though, to keep that um, that going, I guess, and to keep that community feel is to have a good lunch. Now, I know you're, you're a fan of a good lunch. Um, and before we, before we get, though, to, to that, I, I want to bring that up because I want to talk about you. You have seen Penrith restaurants um, through the years come and go, and I want to... I want to Throw your memory back to some of them. Uh, over the years, and you do love, uh, and I've seen it as well, all around the world, you love, you're a big fan of, um, of finding delicious places to eat, and you're a bit of a connoisseur, I reckon, in, in that regard. Um, oh, you're getting I'm, embarrassed by this, but I reckon you are. I wouldn't say I'm a connoisseur, and I'm a bit embarrassed about what we're about to talk about, but look, my, some of my earliest and fondest memories of food in Penrith would be go, to go to uh, Cameron's Bakery at the top end of High Street. Okay. Um, and uh, you'd have a, a you know a beautiful a fresh bread roll and uh, custard tart and whatever else I probably put into my face at the time. <laughs> Adjoining Cameron's Bakery was of course uh, the famous Con's Milk Bar, where you would get the best uh, hamburger in Penrith. Generally, I was allowed this only on a Sunday night yeah. um, uh, as a special treat. Uh, and then if it wasn't the hamburger, we'd go to the Top Penrith Chinese and get takeaway from the Top Penrith Chinese. Um, 
that Chinese habit probably is a little bit instilled in me now. I, <laughs> some people give me a nickname of Sir Lunch a lot, which I don't like very much, but uh, I believe in getting up early and going to work early, and uh, at lunchtime you've got to have a feed somewhere. So uh, I, uh, I still like my Chinese food, uh, my favourite restaurant being the uh, Very Happy Inn, by, owned by one Vincent Wong. He's yes. uh, probably one of my dearest and closest friends. And you'll often find me there on a Friday for a Friday lunch with a few mates. Well, interestingly, though, you you were in business in an era where where that's how business got done um, over over lunch on a, on a on a Friday afternoon, and um, that that was just the reality of eighties and nineties, I guess, uh, business in in Penrith and, and everywhere. I um, I always sort of found it strange that Penrith never had a businessmen's club, and the closest thing to the businessmen's club that I can think of is probably the Happy Inn. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of business has been done there. You'll often walk in there and there'll be 16 businessmen you know uh, at various tables doing various things. But, yes, I do like my food. Uh, I think we both like our food, Troy, <laughs> <Yes, indeed. laughs> um, and it shows. Um, I, uh, I like going to restaurants and uh, I, I search out the good ones and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the, the new log cabin opening, which mm. uh, it's got a, a new chef down there called Chef Gannon. I'm looking forward to uh, his food. I've seen a bit of it on Facebook recently. Yeah. Um, but yes, I'm. Uh, I'm often. I'm often having a lunch, but I'm always back at work by three. That's Indeed. my rule. Uh, there is any Penrith restaurants in the past? You go, hey, that was my. You know, I'm going to put that in the top five, and you wish it was back. Um, uh, none specifically that come come quickly to mind. Um, you know, we've all been to the Pizza Huts and the Kegs and the. Yes. Um, I'm having trouble, trouble remembering some of these restaurants now. Uh, well, the wine barrel, you've been, you been there plenty on of times. On a Thursday sure. night, the wine barrel used to used to go off uh, back in the day. Um, my mother was always a good cook, as is my wife, and uh, I don't often eat out at night time very much. Um, I generally, my, my, my time away from home is during the day, mm-hmm. and uh, I find myself having a, a good cooked dinner most nights at home. But uh, uh, no nostalgic restaurants that are no longer there. Oh, look. There's, there's been a few come and go, but the good ones are still here in Penrith. And, and these days, of course, uh, one of the great things about progress is that you you get so many new restaurants and new that the Penrith, you know, ten or fifteen years ago wouldn't you know places that wouldn't have even considered Penrith uh, to potentially open. So that's that's a great element as well. You've got all the restaurants at the river. You've got um, so many options these days too, which is a, a big plus. Absolutely. Um, I, I like my wine as well, and I like restaurants where you can BYO, and unfortunately most of the Penrith restaurants you can't do that. But I guess that's progress, and they've got to make their profit <laughs> somehow. Um, the uh, the number of restaurants I, I you know often refer to your Western Weekender to find out what's new and what's about to open <laughs> in Penrith so that I can go there and be there, be there first or on their first week to see mm. how they're going and try and support them. But uh, Yes, it's uh, it's restaurant central around Penrith at the moment. I don't know how they all survive sometimes. Yeah, well, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly a busy time, but there's always plenty of people in them, so that's always a, a good thing. What about that business community? Um, people talk about the Penrith business community being unique, and I know that can come from a position of bias because we're both sitting in it. But um, it does it does have that feel about it, doesn't it? That um, that anyone who's down will get a hand up, and um, and it's it's very much a, a supportive world. It is. Um, like, there's various clubs that started in Penrith. My dad, my dad was the founding president of Apex, for instance. Uh, and um, there's Legacy and there's all sorts of, of, of things like that around. But, uh, um, sorry, I've lost my train of thought here. Businesses, yeah. Um, but just that business community, I guess, is the... Yeah. yeah well, it's, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty special town for that. If, if somebody said, name me a real estate agent, I've got 10 friends who are yeah, real estate yeah. agents. Name me a solicitor, I've got... 
five friends who are solicitors. Yeah. It's it's hard to recommend one. Uh, the the business community all know each other still in Penrith, or at least a lot of them do. Um, that's lost a bit over the years as as the town's expanded, but uh, there's still a core group of people that still know each other, which is one of the great things I mm. love about Penrith. Indeed. You mentioned before um, going home, of course, that home is now Glenmore Park, is that right? That's correct. Uh, when, when did you move there and why did you decide that um, yeah, you kind of move away from the, uh, the Penrith CBD area that had been home for, for so long? Um, when I first got married, we, we bought a, um, a townhouse in Stafford Street and we lived there for a couple of years until we had our first daughter. Um, we then decided we needed to get into a single, um, single freestanding dwelling, so we went and bought a lovely, beautiful home up at Lemon Grove that was built uh, in the 1890s. Mm-hmm. It was an original railway cottage, um, and we put a swimming pool in there and uh, enjoyed that thoroughly uh, for about a 10-year period. And then we had a second child, and we decided that we would... Uh, like to live on some acres, and um, we had some land out at the back of Glenmore Park, which was zoned flood-prone and nobody wanted, and I spent a couple of years battling Penrith City Council to uh, be able to build a house on it, and uh, I live out at the back of Glenmore Park, uh, adjacent to Glenmore Golf Course, uh, where I probably would like to say I'll see my time out in Penrith, although my wife's telling me it's a hell of a lot of maintenance at the moment, and we should <laughs> downsize soon, because... My two girls that I've had have um, up and left home and, and are now living in Sydney with their respective boyfriends, and it's a very large house for just two people to live in. So uh, I'm sort of making some noises that in the next four or five years we may downsize to a unit somewhere in Penrith, yep. which is probably yet to be built, that unit. But it would definitely be in Penrith. It would definitely be in <laughs> Penrith for sure. What, what about the future of the business then? Is there is there another generation that's going to come in and, and run it, um, or, or that, um, that, that's, that's exited the, uh, the, the family? Um... Uh, having had two girls, there's not a lot of females in surveying, and... Uh, Certainly the question was asked of them whether they would like to uh, think about being a surveyor and they both very quickly said, no way, Dad, we've seen what it's done to you. You come home cranky some nights uh, with work still on your mind. Um, and I've got to say they were fairly intelligent children, my, both, both my girls. They were up near the top of their year in, in their prospective schools and they're now uh, gainfully employed doing far better things than, and probably making more money than a surveyor makes, just quietly. <laughs> So where does that leave the business then? I mean, are you, are you someone who wants to retire, or do you uh, feel like yeah, you'll look, be, you know? I've got a, I'm 60. I've got a five-year plan that I probably will try and retire when I'm around 65. Although I'm not sure what I will do when I do retire. I'll probably just go home and drive my wife mad. <laughs> uh, but uh, at the moment, I've got another registered surveyor employed, and he certainly would be more than capable of uh, taking over. And I'm not there. 70 hours a week these days. I'm probably mm. only there 30 to 40 hours a week, which is the way I like it. Yep. And uh, that will take its natural progression and be be handed on to other locals. Uh, locals. Um, there's three or four other surveying firms in Penrith, but there's luckily enough survey work to go around. Mm. Um, and uh, we're all good friends, and uh, it, uh, it will progress and continue. One thing Penrith hasn't done, though, it hasn't got any new surveying firms arrived in in it in the last 30 years which really surprised me you take a place like liverpool it's got 25 firms for some reason penrith's got three or four big ones and that's the way we like it as much as penrith has been your your base for for your entire life um you have got a passion for travel as well um you tell us 
What's the best place you've been to, or the place you most like to return to? Ooh, well, I'm going to have to say England there because my wife is English, and if I don't say that, I'll get into <laughs> trouble. When I married my wife, she, I promised her that she could go there as often as we were able to. Um, I was very lucky as a child. My parents took me to Europe a couple of times when I was in primary school, and I took actually a couple of months off school to do that, which was sort of unheard of and frowned upon at the time, but I found it... Um, quite educational uh i've traveled extensively done a lot of snow skiing all over the world i've seen a lot of europe south america never been to africa never been to antarctica but i've been most other places and uh we're about to go on a holiday actually back to europe england and a place i've never been to iceland later this year okay and that's um how was that affected by the pandemic? Because you were, you know, you, you obviously travel a fair bit. That would have hit you pretty poorly, pretty badly during that time. Yes, I haven't been overseas for two years, like everybody else. Um, and I've had a number of cruises booked that have been uh, put on hold or cancelled. Yeah. And uh, I'm thoroughly looking forward to having a little away time from Penrith uh, in about two months' time. Uh, that pandemic has really. Um, change the way we do business and uh and uh i hope we're at the end of it but who knows change the way for the better or for the worse do you think uh i think for the worse there's been a few businesses that are no longer with us anymore Mm. as a result of the pandemic um it's been very tough for for some people Uh, my daughter's involved in the medical hospital industry and Mm -hmm. she still wears a gown and two face masks every day all day at work and i'd like to see the day that stops. Yeah, absolutely. Last question. It's the last question we always ask. How would you like to be remembered in Penrith? Um, oh, as a sort of happy-go-lucky kind of guy who's done reasonably well out of Penrith, and Penrith's done. As Penrith has treated me very well. Uh, how would I like to be remembered? Um, well, that's a very good question to which I haven't thought of an answer. Uh, look, just just as a successful businessman who's been here all my life um, and probably will be here for the rest of my life and uh, thoroughly enjoyed being part of the Penrith town and the Penrith community. Um, I don't have uh, any boys that will take over my business but uh, that is progress and uh, I look forward to spending probably my last breath on this planet in Penrith. Well, it is an extraordinary uh, business success story in Penrith and a long one as well. Uh, Matthew, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, Troy. I thoroughly enjoyed the experience. Good on you. And I hope you enjoyed our chat. A reminder that On The Record is released every Monday. Just search Western Weekender wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you hit subscribe. On The Record is produced by The Western Weekender and is recorded at the studios of My88. Check out westernweekender.com.au and we'll see you next time.